Welcome to Where's the Nuance with myself, El Nino. In a world of black and white thinking, we're here to introduce a little color and pull back the dogmatic ideologies that stand in the way of truth. I love science. I just think it's incredibly pretentious and has claimed too much. Its methods are great. Its constipated conservatism is maddening. You must unlearn what you have we can fight endlessly on the supposition that there are good guys and bad guys. When we fight on that supposition, there is no possibility of compromise. Because we all step in shit from time to time. We hit roadblocks, we fuck up, we get fucked, we get sick, we don't get what we want. We cross thousands of could-have-done-betters and wish that wouldn't have happened in life. Stepping in shit is inevitable. So let's either see it as good luck or figure out how to do it less often. guest is Corey Camp, a former professional swimmer, a current life coach, host of the podcast Forever Athlete Radio, and a forever athlete who founded the Forever Athlete Social Club, which is a community for athletes looking to develop and build meaningful identity after life in sports. Corey has a unique perspective on the life of athletes, specifically regarding their identity formation, drawing parallels between athletes and addicts with the all-or-nothing mindset. This episode, we dive into the pros and cons of identity formation as individuals and athletes, exploring the analogy of athletes as addicts, the Forever Athletes Social Club, where professional athletes can share in an anonymous, safe environment, the mental health consequences of performance, and Corey's exciting projects. I hope you enjoy. All right. Thank you so much for being here, Corey Camp, founder of Forever Athletic. How are you doing today? Nino, thank you for having me, man. I'm excited to jam. I've been, uh, I feel like we've been growing up together in parallel through content the past year plus so it's cool to finally actually connect in real time and excited for this conversation yeah i'm super excited to have you here because i've related to your stuff a lot so if anyone listening i was always super into not into sports personally because i had a hard time with the whole team sports thing i felt like i was always either getting teased or like or just like someone would frustrate me in the big environments but I found Muay Thai kickboxing in my life and that became my like haven. I loved it because it was a place where I could transmute like these, I was very angry as, angry as a kid. I had my own crap dealing with and the, the athletic experience, aka punching a bag and learning how to fight people <laughs> calmed me down so much and like helped me transmute that energy into like a healthy place. And honestly, in a lot of ways, I felt very similar to what you describe in the athletic experience of when I went to university and I was away from my kickboxing studio i felt kind of like fuck man like i'd lost like this kind of structure in my life like i'd found i'd i'd lost kind of an, an outlet and in part i think that's why i started binging alcohol more and stuff it's like you mm -hmm. lose some like heavy structure and discipline that you're given in the athletic domain and then it all falls apart and i know you talk about that a lot because you had your own experience with something like that right yeah well i think What's really interesting, the more work I've done in this space, and you look at just kind of how we as humans evolve um, the sense of identity. And we, we're tr constantly from an early age trying to answer that question of who are we? And at some point, whether it be elementary school, middle school, we're fortunate enough to find something that clicks for you as kickboxing Muay Thai, for me, it was swimming. Um, I always tell people, I was like, yeah, I was not a confident kid. I didn't really make friends at school. Even like I got my 10 year high school reunion coming up in a month or two and no one's asked me one if I'm going and the friends that I have now, they're like, oh yeah, it's that time. Like, are you going to go? I'm like, 
I just I never felt connected with them. I felt connected with my swim team uh, growing up, the age group team that I was on. And so it's really interesting when you look at identity, when we're first answering that question of who am I, we latch on to the first thing that we, it like clicks, we develop the sense of self through it. For me, I felt so confident on the pool deck. I joke with my former teammates from back then. I'm like, dude, we were such shitheads on the pool deck. Like we had such hockey confidence. Like it was unreal. But if you took that same kid that same like 12 year old and put him into the middle school hallways I wouldn't dare say anything to anyone I was just in in a shell and so what I recognized was just swimming was that outlet for me and I loved it I just continued to dive into it and was fortunate enough to be able to swim at a pretty high level was able to go to university for it here in the states went to university Delaware set a few school records um, while I was there and it was it was a great time. Um, but what's interesting with identity is it can become stagnant in growth when we just stay stuck on that's the only thing of who we are. And so while sports can be great in helping you first answer that question, it's a never ending playground. Like it should then serve as like a jumping off point to then be like, and what else are you? Okay, great. You're good at kickboxing and Muay Thai. And what else? And I don't know, man. I don't know if it's society or what, but there's just, maybe it's not rewarded. Um, I mean, down here, super interested, was a a minor in coaching science at university. And I took a whole class on basically how to handle parents in in sport and helping them navigate raising their children in this capacity. And the debate was always like, well, when do you specialize? When do you go all in on that one sport to Mm -hmm. then get the college scholarship and get a free education as a result. And I don't know if there, there was never a good answer one way or the other. I mean, you could argue both sides, but from what I've seen on my end of the things, the way I like to look at it, the best analogy to kind of wrap this up is if you had one key to your apartment and your car or your house, and you lost that key, you'd be fucked. You'd be in a really tough situation. You'd find yourself turning to alcohol turning to other answers to try to find a way back into where what you call home our identity is the same way so when you just have one key to who you are if you lose that thing life circumstance happens you move transition you get hurt retired whatever then you're stuck in this position of answering it again and you turn to these other things that just provide immediate relief um, and i was the same way and i i got to a point where i would drink a fifth before going to the bar and I was like 160 pounds. Like I was not a heavy, big dude. Um, and that was immediately like first month, two months after swimming career ended for me. And I just chalked it up to, Oh, I'm going to be a college. I'm going to be a regular college kid right now. I was quickly realized, well, I, I wouldn't say quickly, slowly realized years later that that behavior was actually very self-destructive and not what actually served me in those moments even though it provided me some quote unquote fun times and look back, I'm like, they're not even good memories. <laughs> You're like, you know? It's kind of a blur to be honest, like uh, whatever you was trying to create, you know, I love what you said about identity formation because this has been like a huge thing in my own life. And this kind of my own little spiritual journey has been the recognition that the narrative in which that we construct and we're early is just that it's a narrative. And we have our egos, which are great. The reality grounding principles, but they also have, they're also 
tricky little sons of bitches because they always need or they feel the need to attach to an identity, especially when we haven't yet developed present moment awareness and an ability to just sit in the present moment with our total presence being given to whatever we're doing because it likes to wrap itself in a narrative. So when we leave an environment in which the narrative was relatively stable or like you said, was a foundation, which again, having identity is great. It's not, that's not the problem. The problem is when it becomes a fixed identity, right? Where you, like you said, where it can't be and, where if you're defined by one thing. And I think in a lot of people's lives and a lot of people listening, that, that's a common thing for a lot of us, whatever it is we thought of ourselves, even for a long time, whatever it was that I was doing, it's like, I, I would feel this restriction of like, oh, this is who I am now. And I can't be anything else. Like, I remember I was super into, like, I was, a, I loved learning and I loved psychology and I loved philosophy as a, as a teenager, but I, I felt like I could never share that with people because, oh, like, I'm just, I'm cool. And like, cool people don't like, like that kind of stuff. Like I am, and whatever it was that I would define myself as these labels ended up being restrictive in that sense. Right. And I, it's like, we, we want to get that balance of, oh yeah, you know, helping, identifying as something can help you create a habit around it, right? That's the Atomic Habits, James Clear, mm-hmm. um, a piece of advice, which is true. Like I call like, I'm like, yeah, I'm a meditator. Like that helps me meditate every day because it's just something I do. At the same time, I'm not just a meditator. I'm like, I'm just total awareness and I'm a multitude of things and I'm always moving through these identities fluidly. So like navigating that balance of using identities as a functional tool to motivate us, create a structure and habit, but not getting wrapped up in it to the point where that becomes a rigid and stag, uh, fragmented state, you know, where we can't escape it anymore. A hundred percent. That's my biggest fear right now is just getting boxed into whatever new identity that I choose to, to give myself. You know what I mean? Like I picked up running a few years ago throughout the pandemic and people would be like, Oh, so you're a runner now. No, 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 no. Like, I don't want to be boxed into a runner. Like, I want to be, I want to, I want to run. I want to swim occasionally or if I want to. I want to play basketball. I want to just move my body with some expression. And just one of the expressions happens to be mm. um, through running right now. And I saw um, Kyrie Irving on the shop talked about this really well. He's like, I view myself as an artist. And right now, my instrument is the bat is a basketball. And I know that, you know, that's going to be come to a time where I'm going to have to retire, but then I can just make art in a different form. I was like, yeah, that's it. Because I think identity is great to your point of that initial motivation, initial getting into it. Like when I first started creating content in the past few years here, it wasn't until I actually sat down and said, no, 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 I'm going to be a creator. I'm going to take the time. I'm going to make the videos. I'm going to see, you know, like I was seeing stuff that you were putting out there and some other inspiration. I was like, I love that. I actually remember this is kind of full circle moment very vividly. I was hanging out with a friend of mine who's a YouTuber and she was like, all right, so you want, I was, we were talking about getting started in content. I was like, yeah, there's this guy, uh, El Divine Nino, like this is his content. And I showed her and she's like, wow, this is great. Um, do you realize like how much work goes into him like making that video? I was like, oh, probably like 10, 15 minutes. I was like, oh man, you got so much to learn. And she was like, let's not start with producing his level of content. Like start finding your flavor. You can be inspired by people like that, but uh, you got to find your own thing. And I think that was something that I really needed to hear. But for anyone out there that's like trying to figure out, trying to start something new, there's 
that fine line to walk of, yeah, like I need to adopt this identity to get me started, but I don't need to, I can't hold on to it with death grips because then I get boxed into to whatever it might be. Dude, you, you know, Kyrie sounds like he's been listening to, or reading Don Miguel Ruiz because Don Miguel Ruiz, uh, he has a book and he describes that every single one of us is an artist of the spirit and we're all creating, right? And the first things that we create is like, our perception of the world and we create the narrative of our world and that's artistic in its in of itself but that we continue to create and express ourselves cons- constantly throughout our lives in whatever it is that we do but not forgetting that we are the artist we are the creator and there, this, that's a message of empowerment that i try to emanate in what i tell people obviously within the con- limitations of you know material reality but like you are the creator i truly believe that for most of us whatever story we tell ourselves like i was talking with uh, star jesse taylor who's uh, who's a big into like the teaching people about the behavior and language of the brain rather. And he's like, it's, he's like the language of the brain isn't emotions or words. You don't tell yourself you're not anxious anymore. And that like, Oh, suddenly you're not anxious. Rather you just start putting yourself like exposure therapy. You put yourself in the situations, you demonstrate to your brain that you are someone who will go to those places. Thus your brain goes, well, I guess he's not anxious anymore. And it stops feeding you that those emotions. So it really is, I guess, important not to get stuck in the death grip, like you said, of that identity, because that identity will then become the the fixed marker from which we can't escape and just move our behavior in another way. And I guess to move in that sense, you describe leaving, like, like you describe yourself as an addict, or you describe mm-hmm. athletes as addicts. And I thought this was very interesting. I, know, I was hoping you could kind of enlighten me and anyone listening. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, well, I think to kind of, again, like another another full circle of just when from an early age, I mean, I started when I like went all in on swimming, I was sixth grade. Uh, wow. That was when I first started like 4.45 a.m. swim practice. Uh, what most people don't realize, my dad decided to go on this really cool health kick. Uh, I say that very sarcastically. <laughs> I mean, it's great that he was taking care of himself. But back then I was like, really dad, you got to go on this right now, mm-hmm. um, where he wanted to go on a, a weight loss journey. And so he started wanting to swim before my swim practice because he wanted the pool to himself. And so that meant that we would, him and I would get to the pool and he was a coach as well. So he had the keys to the facility and was able to do this, but we would get to the pool at like four, four Oh five. And I would sit on the side of the pool for 40 minutes watching my dad swim at four in the morning before like I would get to then go swim. And I I preface that to say that really, you know, as I then grew up and I just went all in on this thing and I I knew no other way than to go all in on swimming. And so what I really struggled with then outside of swimming was how much is too all in on anything in life. And we would always joke, even in Delaware, like very much the culture that we had was, you know, win or lose, we would still booze. We would still get our drinking in. But it it was so interesting the way that we would set that up. So there was a dry rule where 48 hours before meets, you couldn't drink. So you were and you wouldn't really do it during the week because you had morning practice so frequently. So most of us were like, on occasion, yeah, we'll go out before morning practice. But for the most part, no. 
And so then it became Saturday nights where Saturday nights were the night to go and do it. And then Saturday nights became Saturday afternoons if it was a morning meet. So you would get out, you would finish your meet and then you would immediately go to like a day drink. And before you're even like hydrating your body, you're just throwing in uh, whatever natty light or whatever the keg (laughs) is filled with. And uh, I realized it was functioning in swimming in that capacity because it at least was limited to one day for me. And like you're at that age too, where, you know, you could drink a ton, yeah, you wake yeah. up yeah, a little hungover, but like on Monday, you're good to go. You can rally. I, and I miss those days. <laughs> I, trust me. I miss them too. Um, and where I realized for me, where my brain really struggled was once that, that rule was lifted from my life. That structure was lifted from my life. And it was just, Hey, go, go out into corporate world, go do your thing. And now you have happy hours. You know, how do you socialize and make new friends with your coworkers? You're going to be the weirdo, so to speak, or at least that's the narrative that I thought Uh that if I didn't go to the happy hour or if I didn't have a drink in my hand, but I was never taught. I never tried to just have a drink and sit and talk i also really struggle when i'm in new like larger groups so i coped with well i feel more confident if i have more of this in me so i would have three four or five drinks at these happy hours and then inevitably just takes one other person to be like do you want to go out after this like yeah why not like i can i've gotten by but i realized man like there was a point right before the pandemic uh, and right before I started to really explore cutting back and explore sobriety for me, where I was teaching group fitness um, classes as an assistant fitness director in charge of 50 people on my team. And I would teach 12 group fitness classes a week. And I would go to, like, I would go out before teaching a boot camp at 6am the next day. And there was one day where I was out until like three, three thirty like hammered still smelled like tequila and like rolled in on like an hour and a half of sleep telling people how to work out and then i just went home and crashed afterwards i was like what am i doing like i can't i can't who am i to tell other people how to to live their life and this is how i'm living mine i gotta make a change myself so that was one of the the many series of moments that now looking back i was like all right i need a, a clean break because my again, my mind never understood moderation based yeah. off of my upbringing and experience. What I'm curious for me personally now is, can I reintroduce it in a way where it's learned moderation and change my experience there, uh, knowing all that I know now and having the tools and the support system around me? Because I think there are more people around me that I can actually truly talk to about. Like, yeah, I'm good after a drink. Like, don't, don't ask me for more. <laughs> yeah. Please don't put me in that. You know, it's, it's crazy how much I relate to all that. And it's that like, I really also, I'm, I'm super extroverted. I can talk my way out of anything, but it seems like when I'm in a large group of people that I don't know, it's like, I don't know, like it, some part of me that like felt uncomfortable in high school or some inner child stuff is triggered. And I immediately, I'm like, I don't want to be here. And my go-to as well was, okay, well, everyone's drinking anyways. Like I'll have a few drinks and mm-hmm. And when I have a few drinks, okay, boom, now I can be entertaining and funny and, and play the role of the jester, whatever it was. But 
I couldn't say no, man. Like whatever, whatever it was, man, you want some of this? Sure, man. Like you want to go out? Fuck yeah. And then I'd find myself in the exact same position you're talking about, except work at 7 a.m. But it was like, I bro, like 5 a.m. hit my pillow. Like, you know, like you're fucking tweaking. And then you're just like, okay, 6 a.m. I get up, like start like doing your morning, go to work. It's like, actually, you know what? I need to continue the drunkness because then I'm not going to be hung over during my day. So at least, so I'm like, you know what? I'll have like a little drink at work. I'll put some Baileys in my coffee, whatever it might be. Just to, just so I could prolongate the alcohol in my system. But then you get off work, it's like four, five, PM, three, four PM or something. And I'm just like looking at myself, like, who the hell are you, man? Like this is, you, you're going online. And I felt the exact same thing. You're going online and you're telling people like how to deal with, look, in all fairness, like how to deal with challenging moments in life, whatever. But mm. here you are. And like, you're kind of living recklessly and you're creating challenging moments for yourself. Like what's going on? And I felt like for me, a lot of my drinking and why I can't, I've had that question of like, can I find moderation? I don't think so. I really, I don't know. Right now, I don't think that so. Because somewhere inside of me, when I drink, I don't like myself after I drink. for mm. when Because it's just not aligned with, I guess, my core values. So what happens is, I start feeling shitty. Like it increases my feelings of unworthiness somewhere deeper than me. So by feeling shitty, that increases the probability I'm going to drink again. So it's a cycle and I can't escape that cycle at this moment. I just know that for me, I rarely, if ever, wake up a day after drinking and go, I'm so glad that I did that. It's almost always a sense of like, well, that was fun, but uh, like, well, I wonder if I said anything stupid. Like, oh, what, did I embarrass myself? Did Was I offensive? I, it was a little offensive, wasn't I? That joke was out of pocket. And I, that process yep. for me, I know myself well enough to know, like right now, it ain't the time to drink, my boy. Like, because I, I thought I could find moderation in my life because I did a, a sober stint of almost a year, kind of fell into it again, being like, yeah, yeah. Like I have all these great, things that I know I'm way more responsible and in and in part sure I drank less often mm. I'm still binging it like it's like I was still high functioning you know and I think that's a huge thing for athletes or people who can perform at very high levels it's like yeah you can you, the fact that you're coming to me going look at me I'm working after only sleeping two hours and going out last night and now I'm gonna go to the gym I'm like that's not impressive bro you're killing yourself at a fucking phenomenal way rate and like the fact that you're able to consciously push yourself through that suffering. I don't know if that's something you should be proud of or more worried about, my man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that, I mean, that was, that was what was really praised in <laughs> at the highest of levels, man. Like I, at least among my peers, among teammates and stuff in college in particular, it was, well, how, how little sleep did you get last night? How fuck like how many drinks did you have? How fucked up were you actually? And then it was, and then it became, as my coach would call it, it became a sausage contest the next morning of just like, all right, you got, you know, you might have had more drinks than me, but I'm gonna put up here and I'm gonna race you, and we're gonna like really decide who's who, who's the man in this. And it's like, are these the metrics that we want to li be living by? I don't think so. Yeah, I think we we've been measuring this game the whole like wrong the whole time. And that's you know, that's kind of what I want to do and, and what we've been doing with the forever athlete stuff is trying to show that like there's pros and cons to any identity in any situation, but how can you take the good from your experience and create new experiences that serve you right now? 
Um, I mean, I, I resonate deeply with that whole, anytime I drank for me, it was always met with regret and guilt mm-hmm. the next morning. Yep. It was, I would wake up, look next to me and be like, why did I do that? Um, I would, you know, like look at the time, like I wanted to be up so much earlier than this. I had every intention to read. I had every intention to listen to that podcast, but now I'm just, the only thing I can think of is going to sit in the sauna at the gym to like mm-hmm. sweat this thing out. Yeah, sweat the toxins out. Yeah. That was my go-to. <laughs> I got to ask. So for anyone listening, what is a forever athlete? You mentioned that. Yeah, it's. So it's a community of former athletes that relate to a lot of what we've been talking about. And it's just a space. It's a community for people to just open up and honestly and authentically share where they're at. One of the things that I found was a big worry of mine was that burden and talking with other athletes too, that burden of, well, if I, I say this publicly, what, what will then happen? You know, like the bigger the name, we'll say like the Kyrie Irvings, the Kevin Durant's or the superstars of the world, they don't really have an outlet, a space for them to truly express who they are and and what they're going through and not then become a a huge media headline and impact their contracts and all this other stuff. So what we're doing with Forever Athlete is really providing a space of like pre-vetted former athletes, current athletes coming together. It's a Facebook group primarily right now uh, where people just share what's on their heart and what they're going through with the, the nugget of knowing that like, this is an anonymous space. Like I, I'm not going to, I don't, I struggle to promote it because I can't sit here and tell you with who's in it. Oh, it's anonymous. If you're in it, you know, everyone, like you okay. can see people's names and stuff, but it's, the sense of like, I'm not going to go out publicly and be like, so we had Shaquille O'Neal in our group or, or whoever. And this is what he's going through. That's not the intention of the space. It's very much just, I want to provide a platform for people to, to open up and not have to worry of repercussions, especially in the male side of sports. But I mean, even in female sports, you saw it with Simone Biles with right. the Olympics a few years literally back. being molested and and they and they couldn't feel safe telling people that like that it blew my mind i was like at first i was like what no way then every single one of them was like how is this not spoken about yeah oh my god that's kind of the culture though right like yeah, you guys kind of just take hard. everything in yeah like, <laughs> we're we're praised and put on this pedestal for so long for like being a martyr if we're like mm. falling on our own sword and like the harder we work the more we're supposed to be reap that reward but there and now it's interesting to see kind of how the pendulum has swung so far the other direction in youth sports in particular of oh now it's God. like walking on eggshells i can't i'm like i'm very thankful that i'm not a, a youth coach right now because it's it's not would, would you mind talking w- i want to talk about it a little bit because as someone who I'm a big uh, critic of the culture. I'm a cultural commentator. You know, I like to keep my, uh, my my finger on all things, on all the button issues. And yeah, there was like this movement, even as I was leaving high school, because I'm I'm 25 now, but so I was leaving high school in like 2015, things were already beginning to change mm-hmm. in the sports domain where it was like, oh, you you can't celebrate if you win. It's like, okay, what? Like, I get, I'm not, I'm not supposed to like go fuck you, like you pussies. Like, obviously I'm not going to celebrate like that, but 
what do you mean no more celebration? And even in the NFL, they started like increasing the penalties for the guys, like mm-hmm. kind of like doing their little dances. I was like, this is weird. Like, okay, what's changing? The whole landscape slowly has started to change where it's like, Sports is now about making sure that we all feel included. It's a, it's all about making sure that we all feel like part of a community. And I'm like, wait, whoa, 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 look, 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 look. That stuff is great. Like, obviously, it's great when you're yeah. in a community. That's great. It's good not to like, you know, demean or dehumanize the other people. But like, sports is about learning how to like strategize and work competitively against something towards a common goal and to develop a skill set. Like, th- this is a, it's a challenge. It's never like there. They're supposed to be winners and losers. That's okay. It doesn't mean that if you lost, you're a failure. But it, yeah, there there is a point where you have to. I really do believe this. I love the fact that in Muay Thai, you knew when you fucking lost. It's like it's like how did I know? It's like I was closing my hands up the entire time, getting punched in the face, and then they had to like be like ding ding ding, like yeah, okay, you're done. It's like you know when you lost, and those were the best moments. You get your ass kicked. You step out of there and you spend the next however long being like, all right, like what I do wrong, like assessing it. What's my approach? If you're not given the opportunity to fail and really be told like you just lost, where's the growth, man? Like it's not, it's not playing to anyone. There is no growth. I think if there, if you're not offered the opportunity to look at the feedback that you're given through those situations, there's no growth win or lose to be honest like you yeah. can win, you can get feedback from whatever the end result is but yeah it's, it's wild to see the the pendulum swing so far again maybe this is the all or nothing kind of rearing its head in this regard too but yeah like it's easier to discern between what's a respectful celebration and what's a oh he's like really digging on that other team so we're going to flag him it's easier to just say, well, no penalty, like penalties for all celebrations. Yeah. They're doing a little bit better job. I would say now, at least on, on the pro level. Yeah. But I think if we're really looking at the the fine points of it, you know, when we look at youth athletics in particular, I mean, I, I coached a country club team for eight years and um, that one was very tricky for me because I had to really sit with, well, what's the point of country club swimming? Mm. It's it's not Olympic producing level swimming. It's very much a summer league that is fun. It's supposed to introduce the sport to the kids. And if they have a great time there, awesome. It's the bridge to these other spots. And when I really wrap my head around that role, rather than coming in, I could have very easily been like, I was a successful college swimmer. I have a, a standard that I hold my team to. We're going to do these kind of workouts and put them through ringer. I would have lost all the kids. You know, I, I might have whittled it down. But instead, we had 220 something kids on this team that absolutely, for the most part, majority of them loved it. And it was, it would always be funny to me. Like I would run into some kids, would I put them in some events and they would hide in the bathroom, like middle schoolers. And I'd go in there and be like, so Johnny, like what's going on, man? Like you're up in 50 fly here soon. So I really don't want to do it. I'm terrified of it. And I was like, so that you don't want to do it. Are you not good? Like, let's have a, have a conversation. And honestly, it was like 50% of the time he would, that guy, that person would swim it. And 50%, I'd be like, yeah, it's not for me. Like it's for you and for the team. So if you, like you'll score points, but I was also very honest at times too, with these kids, especially the older ones. I was like, look, 
if you really don't want to do this, I'm not going to force you to do anything you don't want to do. And I'm going to look at this program and based off how it's seating, you won't even score points. So like, if you don't want to do it, you don't want to do it. But I would, you know, I would recommend you make that decision for yourself. And the worst thing that happens, you show up for yourself. I don't know if that's the right way to coach or not, but that was the way that I did it. I, to me, that sounds like you're offering the ability to take complete ownership of what, what they're doing. It's like, look, if you're going to do it, then don't do it. But like, you know full well that you're, that's your decision. You're owning yeah. that. I'm not going to be the person who can make a decision for you. And I think well, I'd always, wisdom in that. Yeah, I'd always rather, I'd tell them too. I was like, if you don't want to do something, you don't have to hide in the bathroom from me. Like, mm-hmm. just tell me. Like, we'll have a conversation. And I think, I know kids weren't really used to hearing that. Like it was never a choice for them. It was, so I always wanted to approach it where here's this choice. You have this option in front of you. You get to make it, but we make it sort of together through communication. You need to tell me and take ownership of your choice. Mm. Not hide in the bathroom because when you're 25, 30, 45, doesn't matter what age, you can't go, like you can't be living life that way. Mm. You can't have, be faced with a tough decision right now something you don't want to do and just go run to the bathroom and then just never, never face it. Right. Like it doesn't work that way. Unfortunately. I, I would argue that a lot of us do live that way, man. Like that a lot of people, again, this is my social critique critique. Please everyone listening, take it with some degree of love, but it's like <laughs> a lot of us live lives totally unaligned with our values or goals or aspirations. And we live in like desperate, like in the silent desperation of unfulfilled lives and we use substances, weekend binge drinking, uh, simply or cultural events going out as a way to actually keep us numb and keep us in the bathroom, mm-hmm. so to speak. And I think oh, that's the premise or the conception of the midlife crisis is, yeah, because everyone lives like that. Most people live silent lives of desperation, especially men, and because they don't have a community to talk about things. God forbid, you know, women... Thank God they've had the emotional intelligence to create their own little bubbles to talk to each other. Men, we didn't do that. So now at 40, a bunch of men wake up going, oh, I need to do something with my life. And they buy sports cars and fuck young women. And it's uh, it's this, you know, this desperation because they spent their whole life in the bathroom. They never mm-hmm. felt like they could have a discussion around like, do I have to do this job or is this the job I'm doing because my dad expected this of me or whatever it might be? Yeah. I mean, that's how I found my first job out of school. I mean, I just, I grabbed at what I wanted um, to be successful or I thought was at least success at that point. I realized yeah. now looking back that it was, it was a societal force fed definition of su- success rather than my own true authentic definition. And I, I took the sales job, not because I enjoyed the product that I was selling. I was doing VA uh, refinance mortgages. So cash out refi of, of homes, but I took it because it was the highest base salary and the best mm-hmm. comp plan. And I thought, yeah, 22, that sounds sick. And my original backup plan post swimming was to go to physical therapy school. And that, that was met with just, rege- I got rejected from one school and I just said, I'm not going to reply to any others. Cause I, I already know like the writings on the wall, I'm not going to get in. So I'm going to take this sales job and I'm going to be successful here. But what, to your point, like what I found myself doing in that role was, I would bitch and complain about my job during the week. And then on the weekends, I would just party and do everything, but like actually do something to act and like get myself out of that situation. I think that's, 
that's something we're so we're so much more comfortable kind of just sitting in our shit complaining and then choosing the short-term solution that like is a short-term pleasure so to speak and disregarding that long-term satisfaction because we're just we're we're constantly i mean we're always making moment decisions in this present moment but we're usually thinking of it in the lens of like well how does this serve me right now is this exactly what i need and it's easier to be like well i'm anxious so two shots will help or i'm gonna you know i I had a really rough week at work so instead of sitting down it's hard to sit down at your desk and like look for jobs that would be better in alignment with what you want to do and your values and what you really strive for in this world then it is that's harder than saying yes to your friends and just going out to happy hour and blowing off steam and forgetting about the week that you just had mm-hmm. and you do that just enough where you forget and then you have this amnesia and you go back into monday thinking that it's going to be different this week and it very rarely is different unless something actually changes you know Dude, that's I, it's crazy because I I'm a huge fan of Dr. Gabor Mate and he has this book I'm just finishing called The Myth of Normal, and it really talks about how it's like so many of us are in these really negative or toxic cycles of our life. It's not just the addicts, it's not just the alcoholics. It's like no, we're we're all doing it. It's just because our normal is is defined as normal no one questions it but he 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 argues it's actually very toxic he's like a lot of this is it's alienating it it subordinates our authenticity for acceptance it it really does create a culture where people get sick like he literally also attributes that a lot of chronic illnesses like inflammation like inflammation-based uh illnesses directly related to the fact that we betray ourselves and we and we develop these uh personality patterns that aren't really who we are but to protect our true selves against, you know, the possible risk of not being accepted and not being loved by people, you know, because we have to be a part of a group because, you know, that deep evolutionary need to belong. But that thing eventually, it actually disconnects us from ourselves or lives and it can even manifest in physical illness. And I think that's so telling of how, you know, of how bad it is for us. Yeah. I do. I I realized the, the longer you feel the need to perform, for people to like you, the more those aren't your people in the first yeah. place. Like, that's not who you should be spending your time with. And I feel like now I, I'm blessed, like looking around at just relationships that I have in my life, they're there because there was very rarely, if ever, a point in time where I felt the need, the pressure to perform and be someone that I, I'm not to be on a stage and say, I need to show up this way. And that's, you know, what I honestly, now what I try to do, whether I'm going on podcasts or creating content, it's like, I want to just be an expression of who I am and let people take it or leave it, dude. Like that's at the end of the day, that's all we can do. Um, I can't be upset if I've given me, but I, I can be upset if I've performed and I put a different version of me forward and someone's like, oh, I didn't like that episode. I didn't like that interview he did with Corey. It's like, well, fuck. If he knew the real me, he would say something different. So it's like, no, no, no. I want to show up here as the real me. And yeah, I would say that we got we to gotta do that more, encourage people more to just stop, drop the performance and just show mm-hmm. up like as they are. And yeah, less people will like you probably. But they'll be genuine people. Like 
Is that wild? I, I noticed that I'm, I'm 27. I'll be 28 uh, in a month. And I've noticed that as my 20s have progressed. I'm like gone from the days of amassing as many friends and connections as I can to I want to just water a very few, a very select group. Like even in the church that I go, I've been going to here, there's small groups that are like 10 to 15 people. So that's too many people for a small group for me. Like that's, that's not what I want right now in my season of life. So I just reached out to two of my buddies and I said, Hey, do you guys want to do a small group? Just two former college football players here in uh, town. And they were like, yeah, cool. Friday or Thursday nights. We meet up. We just started yesterday. And I'm like, I'm excited to see where this goes. Like that excites me more than this huge group and posse around me. See, I, I, that's awesome because I think there's obviously, I believe there's a lot of wisdom in what you're doing, but you also, not just as an athlete, right? But you speak a lot about loneliness and you've been posting online. I think a lot of strategies and ways for people to deal with it. And I think it'd be a value for you to speak on it right now. Cause I think a lot of us are lonely. I think especially yeah. people who've left organized sports, the way that you describe it, it's like something you said, which I thought was so on point. You were like in the athletic world, you're given a team and they become your friends and that's cool. But where are the teams in the real world? Right. And like, how do you navigate that as a grown ass man? Like, you know, how do we navigate that as grown men? Yeah. I mean, like, where do you find your team? Well, again, it goes back to that choice, right? Like ironically in sport, you, you didn't have necessarily a say of who your teammates were, but it was a pretty, especially the higher level you got to, um, the more pre-vetted those people were like, right. You were probably like-minded if you made it to the elite level training group or whatever it was Like you guys have some, sh at least shared oh, values. Um, and so that's, what's interesting when you quote unquote lose that when life shifts out of that and then life takes you and that friend group and disperses you across time zones across the country or the world even how do you continue to maintain those relationships also developing new ones? Because I mean, if we learned anything these past few years, like, yeah, virtual relationships and connections are great, but how soul filling are those in person? Like we, we really do crave that in-person social connection. I'm a firm believer that should be like a daily non-negotiable for mm. people. If they can find someone in their community and it doesn't even have to be like a deep dive conversation, but just go and grab coffee and like saying what's up to your barista, actually having a conversation with them deeper than whatever it may be. You know, what I've found is, you know, as I've, I've bounced around now five, six cities in the past five years or so, wow. it's been a lot, a lot. Uh, lot of moving parts each time. It's like, how, well, how do I start over and find my people? And it always now starts with, well, what, what is true to me? I'm right now in a season where I'm not drinking. So I'm not going to be going to the bars and hoping to meet. I'm not going to stand on the side of the bar and hope to meet like the first five people that come up and introduce myself. That's not my style anyway. Got to play to my strengths. So it's like fitness has always been something that uh, drives me, especially now. So I'm looking at community events around here that are smaller, that I'm not going to show up to like a a hundred person workout and be like, Hey guys, I'm Corey. So nice to meet you. I'm new in town. Who wants to be my friend? Mm. That gives me like, I'm sweating just thinking about that. <laughs> I'd rather go to the gym at like what I've done in particular is just go to the gym, like consistently at the same time for like two, three weeks get, get and people. just, 
yeah, you just, you got those gym homies that you just say what's up to. And then over time, it's like, all right, clearly if you're there consistently and they're there consistently, especially like I'm a morning workout person. So if they're there at 5.30 in the morning, every single morning, like I already know we have a lot in common. Uh So then I would say, hey, you know, I obviously been seeing you here. Do you want to work out together sometime? And then like, or just working on a set, whatever it may be. And then over time, you just, once you find that common ground, that like-minded value, yeah. then it becomes, how do you diversify experiences from there? Because you'll yeah. find people that are clearly just like, you, there's plenty of guys at the gym where I'm like, I'll, gr- I'll work out with them. They're good people, but I'm not going to like invite them over for dinner and like have an intimate conversation with. Like, that's just not, not the extent of our friendship, the, right. the extent of the relationship there. And I saw that you're working on something. Is that your app that you're developing, Seek? Yeah. So I co-founded this app with a former client of mine. It was actually really interesting. I do these away game retreats. So they're like four-day experiences, hand-curated. Honestly, it's like so much work because it's just me doing it. Like I'm not an event organizer, but I'm OCD event detailed. So I like I love it. It lights me up. And... I had one in Austin last year. I've done three of them so far. And he happened to come to one of them and he was blown away by the end. He pulled me aside. I was like, why is it that I feel like best friends with all these people that were strangers four days ago? I was like, oh, it was easy. Like I just personality tested essentially just through talking with each of them before I said yes and gave them even the option to buy a ticket. I personality tested them and then I very intentionally like put them in situations and where similar personalities would link up. And then I diversified the experience over four days where we would do everything from a open workshop and personal development to breath work and people are crying in this breath work and we have meditation and we have yoga, but then we're also going out and stand up paddle boarding as a group. But that moves like gives you this freedom to then go and like you can be one group but then drift off with like the person that you're vibing with right then and there and he's like well what if i told you like with he's he's worked at tinder for six years oh wow of all companies he's like what if i told you like i have the skill set to like actually make this into an app and make this scalable he's like i think this is something that everyone should be able to experience regardless of price point and location i was like I'm game. Like, let's do it. So that's, that's kind of where the idea of seek was born was through that notion. And so is it like Tinder for friends or how does it, how does it work then? So essentially it would be like TikTok meets Eventbrite. So if you're, you'll fill out a like personality profile, but we'll keep it super, super short and simple. It's like one question that we ask on onboarding, what are you seeking? Are you seeking friendships? Are you seeking like a new hobby people to do hobbies with are you trying to get out of your comfort zone learn something new a few others that i'll have to leave secret there you know and tell people download the app but what what from there you'll be recommended experiences in your local community that are being run by vetted hosts that people who are already like already doing this for a living kind of like how uber bridged the gap of people are already looking for taxis people were driving taxis Uber just made it like easier to find it. We're doing the same thing with events. Like there's always events happening in pretty much every city. If they're not, like you just don't know where to look. Yeah. We found ways to 
to know where to look and pre-vet these conversations with actually good hosts and then empowering them to be like, okay, here's your community. Like, let's, let's bridge you guys together. And the, the whole thing, really what will be our secret sauce there is seek events will be limited to 16 people is like our cap. So our whole goal is a more intimate experience. We don't want to be like, oh, here's our music festival. Come to our music festival. We want you to be able to drop in and actually have time to have a real conversation with everyone. In theory, you are trying to be or create the bridge between individuals who might have lost their team of life, so to speak, and help them find new teams within small, intimate community uh events within their cities and their local cities a hundred percent yeah it's an empowering empowering them with that choice like i say this all the time with athletes is like you you step into the general manager role the moment your like athletic career ends you become your life general manager and that's a really scary role because you've never been empowered to make some of those choices and that's okay you're gonna fuck up you're gonna you're gonna make mistakes but you get to growth from those and you learn by doing. So we, we're just trying to make those choices easier. We want to provide because, I mean, how often have you sat with that question? You're like, all right, I'm not drinking. What am I going to do this weekend? Like that's, a, that's a tough one every single time, right? To be honest, I think I'm still trying to figure the answer out. I think I've just... I think we all are. I don't, I don't think there is like a right answer. I know you create a lot of content around it and you give people pretty good i remember something like you said and i i totally try to do it you're like i put myself you're like how to cure loneliness how to find friends in a new city you're like you put yourself in places in which someone with your values would be and honestly mm-hmm. i remember seeing that being like that's a good fucking piece of advice and i did that when i moved here to toronto i put my like going to the, like 7 a.m yoga workout classes and like just being that guy who's like chatting to people like this breath work place that i go to and honestly though I didn't necessarily make like a ton of friends from doing it. I actually ended up making other friends who I'd bring to these places. And, mm-hmm. and I, I found a sense of community in that. So there is a lot of wisdom in that. Dude, one of my favorite, I saw a piece of content and I was like, this is genius. Um, this is a number of years ago. The guy was like, look, here's what you do. You move to a new city. You become oh, a local. So he's like, you become a local celebrity. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's- yeah. And he's like, you just, you go to the coffee shop same coffee shop same time talk to the barista get a similar order like get them on a first name basis with you and then at the same time you're doing that you're going to the gym and you're you're playing pickup basketball or whatever it may be or working in with people and then eventually like once you click with the guys at the gym you find your people there you're like okay cool hey like let's go grab a coffee and you recommend the, sh- the shop so you go and the barista that knows you already so when you walk in you're like, hey, Corey, so good to see you. And now all your, your new friend is like, holy shit, who's this guy? He's got like, a, he got a bunch of clout that I don't know about. Like random people are knowing him. And he's like, yeah, and you just like continue to, to do that. And it's an easy, easy to be a local celebrity with time. Absolutely. The irony of that, of the truth is, what is the core of that? It's like, I'm putting myself in places that I enjoy and truly connecting with the people on a real level. And if I do that, then when I bring people to those spaces in which I've truly connected with people, it will increase my clout. It's like, you can look at it from different perspectives, but it's like just genuinely being present and creating consistent habits mm-hmm. of routine while connecting with people. It's like, that'll do it. That'll, I mean, I'm of the belief because look, I was super lonely when I moved here and I just kept, 
being myself, putting myself out there, like talking to people, whatever. I now have like people that I'm like, damn, I love these people. Like I, I, it's crazy to me. I'm like, and I feel deeper connected in these relationships than a lot of the relationships that I fell into back when I was in Vancouver, just relationships I'd fallen into from convenience, you know, friendships of convenience. Yeah. I think when you're, when you're in that new spot, it's tough, man. It's like repotting a plant and there's going to be growing pains in it. It's going to take a little while to like find your roots and adjust yeah. and like take hold of that new soil. But also recognizing that you get to intentionally water, not just your soil. I, I view friendships the same way. It's like, especially adult friendships, man, we got, we got so much going on. We got so many lives and it only gets harder when, once you introduce uh, like romantic relationships into the picture and family and, and jobs and my head gets spinning just thinking of it right so <laughs> but finding ways that allow you to remember to like intentionally water the relationships that you truly care about and go from there is it's simple but it's not easy yeah. that's the the name of i think all this stuff yes development self-growth it's it truly is simple but it's never easy. I love that. If there's one piece of uh, wisdom you want to leave the people here, Corey, uh, what, what would you want to, what would you want to say to people? What do you think is the most valuable thing that you've learned transitioning from being a professional athlete into jumping through careers, feeling lost, dancing with uh, like, you know, alcohol binging to now being this sober leader in your community, who's creating events to connect people from all this. What's been the most valuable piece of wisdom that you can impart with us? I would say the power and the pause, man. It's funny. I'm laughing because I'm like, I don't even realize all the stuff that I'm doing sometimes until you just like sum it up there. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm doing a lot. So (laughs) even that, right? Like just taking the second to pause and and receive and hear. I just want to say thank you, man, for for having me on this space and the opportunity. But that's what I would leave people with. Like there's power and pause. It's okay to take a second to check in and just ask yourself, like, how does this align? Is this truly what I want is this a short-term decision for a long-term gain or is this a like short-term decision for a short-term gain Mm. and if so should I be doing this or could I do something that would better serve me and those those questions and that pause is it was an absolute game changer for me Mm. and surrounding yourself with people that support that pause Mm. that empower you to take it you know what I mean like not the not the people at the party that are like I'll just take another shot. But like actually be like, wait, let me check in. Do I need another shot? Probably not. Um, Then great. Pause. Make the decision for yourself. I love it, man. Find moments in your life to pause and the people in which that and the people around you that support the pause, the friendships that are going to be like, you know what? Oh, you're taking some time off from not drinking or whatever it might be. And they're like, cool. Do you want to go to the gym? It's like, you know, and they're openly yeah. inviting, encouraging, and, you know, and motivating you to move forward with that. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Corey, for being here. I really do appreciate it. You guys can find all his stuff online. It's Corey Camp, Forever Athlete. Look that up and you can find it. Uh, he has an app coming out called Get Seeked or Get yep. Seek. Get Seek. Get Seek. Awesome. Thank you so much, Corey. Nino, thank you, man. Thank you for tuning in. I know your time is precious and I'm honored to share it with you. Please give the podcast five stars and follow us to stay updated. We look forward to seeing you here now next time for Where's the Nuance?